Honey, you made dinner.、Mm-hmm. You must want to talk about comics. Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths, the podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Last time we covered Secret Wars issue one. A group of heroes and villains found themselves transported to a world created by a mysterious being called the Beyonder. They are promised their heart's desire if they slay their enemies. While many villains delighted in this opportunity, Doctor Doom and Galactus had other ideas. The heroes rejected Magneto as one of their number and are now faced with an incoming attack from the villains. So this week on Curses on Infinite Earths, we thought we'd try something a little bit different than we did the first week.、Um, we had a couple readers,、um, couple readers. No, we're we're doing it. We're calling them readers now. We had a couple readers of Curses on Infinite Earths who、uh, thought that it was maybe a little bit confusing because we would kind of go off track and then go back to where we were. The first week we kind of went through the entire issue all at once, long form, and then when we found little details we like, we kind of latched onto those. Now th- we are still going to do that. We are going to give you the deep dive that you expect from one entire episode of Chris's on Infinite Earths. I do have a stack of notes. However, we are also going to give you a brief summary of each issue, and by each issue, I don't know if we talked about it last week, but we're going to be covering issues two and three of Secret Wars this week.、Um, we spent a lot of time、um, on the last episode of our podcast, really describing the heroes and villains, because there's a lot of them. But that's not going to be as necessary in these weeks. However, we'll do issue two summary. Our deep dive issue three summary deep dive. If you love it, tweet at us about it. If you hate it, tweet at us about it. Yeah, and thanks everybody who's followed us on Twitter and Facebook. We are at Chris's Pod. Without further ado, do you want to start with the issue summary? Sure. So, with issue two, we begin with the impending attack of the villains upon the heroes. The villains seem to have located some high-powered technology, which quickly takes out a number of the heroes. Meanwhile, Doctor Doom searches for Galactus to hopefully team up. Much to his disappointment, Galactus barely notices Doctor Doom, who begins to formulate a new plan. While the villains are attacking the heroes, Doctor Doom invades the villain base, taking out defense drones and bringing Ultron back to life. As the villain's base is being taken over, the heroes begin to organize, and through the power of teamwork, they overcome the villains and take a few prisoners as well. The heroes then manage to locate a base to use as their own, but seem to have lost Lockheed, the empathic fire-breathing dragon. Securing their prisoners, the heroes begin to plan. Elsewhere on the planet, Magneto has created a base of his own, and the villains discover their base is now controlled by Doctor Doom. Rather than fight both Doom and Ultron, the villains submit to Doctor Doom being their leader. That night, while many of the heroes are missing their lives and families on Earth, Magneto breaks into the hero base. Luckily, Spider-Man and the Human Torch notice his intrusion and alert the others. The heroes, minus the X-Men, strangely confront Magneto. As things are no longer going according to Magneto's plan, he flees with the Wasp as a hostage, and the heroes discover that somehow the Thing has reverted back to Ben Grimm. So, issue two—it's action-packed and has a lot of delightful things in it. 
It really does. I think it's, I I generally thought it kind of started strong and there's a bit in the middle that I got a little kind of mm, with, but then it ended really strong as well. I think I know the bits that you might think are kind of, mm, but I thought they were rather fantastic. So let's see if we're on the same page. Sure. So this starts with a big splash page where the villains are attacking and the heroes are kind of having a big reaction shot. Yeah, basically the heroes have been totally caught by surprise and the villains have this awesome setup with all of their their tech that we saw at the very end of the last issue. Their um their action figure apparel. Yes. It is so obviously meant to be toys. <laughs> like these are super villains who have like superpowers and they're like, "Well, picking up a ray gun." <laughs> <laughs> of course. I mean, if if, if you got them, yeah, if you're, I mean, if you're in a Mattel crossover, you got to use that Mattel tech. Now, one thing I love about this splash page is how stoked Wolverine is just for, like, this fight. Like, all throughout Secret Wars, like, Wolverine is just, like, up for a fight whenever. Just Wolverine literally does not want to sit around at all. He just wants to get with the stabbing. <laughs> One thing I wanted to point out about this page before we got too much further is that Monica Rambeau is miscolored on it. So I'm not sure we mentioned it last time, but Monica Rambeau is a black woman. And in this page, she's literally colored white. And I wish that we could say that this is the only time that this happens. No, it's, it's definitely a problem in this issue. Yeah. Um, not the next issue. I, I, although it could just be that she didn't have as many appearances. Um, comics kind of do have this problem about either miscoloring characters who um, would be characters of color or even lightening them as time goes on. There's some really interesting articles about that, about characters' skin getting lighter as like time goes on in comics. And it's, it's but not But this okay. is in the same issue. Oh, this is so, it's, this is it's, so it's blatant. It's bad. Well, I don't know. Is, is it worse to have like one, well, you know what? It's all bad. <laughs> So the villains get there, and I love, I love sound, like the the sound effects in comics. Is there a special name for that? The sound effect? I Uh, I I think it's just sound effects. Okay, but it has a big kaboom. Awesome kaboom. Secret Wars is just it's just full of the delightful sound effects for explosions and all sorts of wonderful Secret things. Secret Wars is like a comic booky comic books comic book. It is as as hero villain as possible. The villains start with this big kind of walker, like a big robot walker, and they blast the heroes with it, with that big kaboom. Mm-hmm. It is uh, piloted by Pile Driver and Bulldozer. Kang's got his like ray gun and the Enchantress is like blasting. So you've got all these different force gun whatever i don't know it's a big it's a kaboom it's a comic kaboom that's all we need to know now the heroes of course super caught by surprise takes out a bunch of them you know right at the the beginning colossus gets knocked out but lockheed's still doing some awesome things and captain america starts kind of giving some directions here taking the lead and taking advantage of the villain's lack of coordination. Right. I like this bit on the next page here where the Hulk picks up a rock. Shrek? Yep. Shrek. <laughs> Is the sound effect when he <laughs> goes to throw this rock. And it right? gets, well, it gets exploded. It gets blown up all over him and then rocks are falling everywhere. It's funny seeing the Hulk kind of being smart but still having these pratfalls. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, I'm going to throw this giant rock. Oh, dang. <laughs> 
And Mr. Fantastic, you know, saves everybody, shields everybody from this rock Yeah, he shrapnel. just makes his big elastic body into a shield. Mm-hmm. And Absorbing Man is really kind of gloating about, you know, how easily they took out the heroes. Kang's like, hey guys, we don't have Doctor Doom anymore. We still gotta take this seriously. Yeah, Kang's kind of trying to be, like, like the new in-command guy mm-hmm. here, it seems like. But um, after... That sort of tense moment where some of the heroes are knocked yeah, out. Yeah, we get Nightcrawler, Storm, Wasp, Professor X, Colossus, and Hawkeye all, like, all are down. But we still need to see what our um, our favorite supervillain with Ennui is doing. <laughs> so it cuts to... It cuts to Doctor Doom. And this may be the part that you thought was kind of slow. Oh, no, I loved this part. Oh, wonderful, because <laughs> I did too. It's just him kind of literally recapping the previous issue. Now, what I love most about it is sometimes in comics, you'll see lots of thought bubbles with characters sort of narrating what they're doing and explaining things, but it's done in a thought bubble. Dr. Doom doesn't use thought bubbles. He soliloquies for like several pages, just speaking out loud about what is going on and what he's doing. It, it's fantastic. And this is such a Dr. Doom thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. He, he mentions his hidden jetpack once again. Uh, he talked about that in the first issue. They really want you to know that he's got a jetpack. Right. Although the narrator, like, to Dr. Doom's credit, the narrator does cut in here to kind of explain the previous issue. Okay, stuff. yes. When, it ex- when we do our flashback to the previous issue, we do have narrator there. But then, like... For the next, I don't know how many pages here, if Dr. <laughs> Doom is on on the panel, whether or not he's with people or by himself, he is he is pontificating. He definitely is. He's kind of got that 70s, 80s. Well, there's a thing that comics do for a while where people will sometimes say what they're doing, and Dr. Doom is like the king of it. Mm-hmm. So next he finds Galactus, who was kind of like passed out from the previous issue. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Doom marvels at the fact that Galactus, he's, he finds him, like, you know, passed out on his back. But rather than slowly, like, rising to his feet like a, like a normal human being would do, he's Galactus. So he simply just stiff as a board, rises straight into the air, like, it, it's fantastic uh, and and ridiculous in a way that only a comic can be. Yeah, and then Doctor Doom's like, "Hey, Galactus, let's be buddies." And Galactus does not even pick up Doctor Doom <laughs> on his radar. Just the coldest shoulder. I mean, just imagine for like a human being, just like a fly buzzing around that you just kind of tune out. That's yeah. what Doctor Doom is to Galactus. I'm sure Doctor Doom takes that very harshly. <laughs> he thinks very strongly of himself. So then uh, Dr. Doom goes to the nearby villain fortress and just kind of busts in. Yeah. The villains left some defense drones, but otherwise they left their base completely deserted. And Dr. Doom, as he tells us out loud, takes out these defense drones so easily. Right. To find the inert body of Ultron. Mm -hmm. Who, uh, as you may remember from the last issue, uh, Galactus killed Ultron. Well, like left him inert. Yeah. He's a robot. Took all of his energy. Literally just drained his energy completely. So then we flash back to the... Well, flashback. Um, Well, before we flash back, Dr. Doom contemplates bringing Ultron back to life. Yes. That hint that's going to come up later. (laughs) (laughs) So we come back to our battle. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, Thor and Captain America are trying to uh, repulse the villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the beauty here of the hero thing is that the totally the heroes are going to win through the power of teamwork. Like the, faces in WWE. No, no, nope, those are the bad no. guys. Those are the bad guys <laughs> in WWE. See, in comics, heroes can work together, but the villains aren't good at it. Yep, that's it. We've got Iron Man, uh, Thing, Thor, um, doing some work. Thor takes out like King Thunderball, the record and the the wrecker and Lizard Man all at once. Hulk takes out uh, the vehicle that Bulldozer and Pile Driver are on. Mm-hmm. Now we start to see some kind of mean Hulk here. Yeah, Hulk's kind of a jerk here. Uh, the torch is like encouraging Hulk, like you can do it, and Hulk basically says, uh, I, "I think the line is." When you can bend this ultra-hard alien metal-like paper with your bare hands, then you can give me orders. Yeah, I don't like Smart Hulk. Smart, Smart Hulk. Smart Hulk as much as I like. I like when Hulk's kind of a jerk when he's not super smart. I don't know why. I think that's more fun because he just kind of calls him, like, puny. Right, right. Stuff. But, this... but this is almost just kind of, like, mean. It just, it doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, it is a little mean. So then the rest of the walker is kind of blown to pieces with Cyclops' force beams. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, She-Hulk takes out the Enchantress with kind of a fun I scene. I love this bit. Okay. She-Hulk and Enchantress battling it out here. She-Hulk, first of all, is super impressed that Enchantress, who, you know, just looks like pretty and sorceress, whatever, she's shocked that Enchantress is actually strong. And Enchantress is like, I'm a goddess, Of course I'm strong. But she's like, basically, you're too gross for me to touch. So I'm going to go back to slinging spells, (laughs) which She-Hulk understandably takes takes offense to and just lays the Enchantress out with a huge punch. It's fantastic. She-Hulk's kind of got some fun lines here. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. That was like tubular, you know, to the max. Now... I agonized over this. I don't know if she was being serious or if she was trying to, like, really play it up. I think it works either way. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And with that, the heroes won their battle. Uh Uh-huh. Through the power of teamwork. Through the power of of teamwork and sweet quips. Some of the heroes, I think, maybe wanted to pursue the villains, but uh, Captain's like, no, 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 we're not going to go after them. We're just going to take... All of the fallen's fallen uh, villains prisoner. Right. I believe they get uh, the the wrecking crew. Yeah, they get they get. I think pretty much and all of the wrecking crew and enchantress. Yeah, and then a bunch the other uh, villains escape to go back to their base. Mm-hmm. The the heroes don't have a base yet. No. So Storm is going for reconnaissance work. Mm-hmm. And she she mentions how easy the air is for her to manipulate, almost like the Beyonder planned it. Yeah. Do you think it's interesting that now somehow everybody calls it the Beyonder just because calls the whatever entity this is the Beyonder just because Galactus called him that once? Right. And half of, I mean, the heroes weren't even there to witness that. Maybe they heard it, though. Like, how loud is Galactus? Galactus, like, calling your mom in from dinner loud? Or my mom calling me in from dinner loud? I, I mean, I've met Hope Edelman, so yeah. <laughs> so the, or the villains, I'm sorry. The heroes do find a base. 
Yeah, huge base. Iron Man notes that it's bigger than the Pentagon, but Hulk is another super jerk again here, and he says that it's bigger than 54 and a half Pentagons. Well, he'd estimate. (laughs) (laughs) Right, which uh, Hulk does uh, does say he's going to take point to go into... The new fortress. Mm-hmm. We also have a fun bit here. I love how Thor talks. He has all of these like Asgardian expressions that he throws around. So we get an Odds Blood from I, him here. I looked up Odds Blood. It's actually, I looked up Odds Blood. It's Victorian. That's not what I found. What did you find? It's a reference to Arrow Odd, who is a legendary hero from Norse mythology. Okay. When I looked it up, it said it was a kind of like mutation of God's blood. That's Victorian. Listeners. I'm sorry, readers. Help us out. (laughs) Tweet at us. Help us get to the bottom of Odd's blood here. (laughs) Oh, and this is going to be something that I'm going to be wondering about for a while. Colossus at this point realizes that Lockheed is just missing. Yep. We don't know where he is. Doesn't come How do you lose a dragon? Uh, He flies off. I guess. (laughs) But he's gone. He's gone. He's, He's worried about... Kitty Pride being sad that he lost her dragon. <laughs> right. Yeah. Colossus and Kitty Pride's weird relationship. Not the last time it will come up. Yeah, if you guys want to hear about dudes um, being sad about being away from their ladies, this is also your comic. Because <laughs> it, it comes up a lot. Yes. It really does. Right. Okay. Um. (laughs) So they get their base, and Mr. Fantastic secures the prisoners, and he explains how he did it in a very complicated way. Um, As only he can. And he also put the Enchantress in a healing device, because gosh, that punch from She-Hulk was really hard. So he was very concerned about the well-being of the Enchantress. The the Wrecking Crew prisoners! (laughs) You know, they're... Okay. They don't need any healing. Is Reed Richards like like a misogynist? Actually, don't answer that because, <laughs> yeah, he probably is. I do love that. So Captain America in this, he seems a little out of character from what I think of of Captain America. It almost seems like he's like presidential candidate Captain America. There's the bit in here where he says, it's no wonder that the name Mr. Fantastic is renowned for compassion as well as courage. Right. But it kind of seems like he's almost like just throwing Mr. Fantastic a bone like, oh, yes, you did so good. Stop yeah. talking. My uh, my fan theory is that Captain America is just like, is like... so irritated with Mr. Fantastic. Oh <laughs> and OK, Captain then specifies that they are going to gather at the 451st level. Can you see him, like, with his finger moving up and down? How does he even know what's on there? Like, is there, is there you know, a nice labeled floor plan that he's following? Like, how does, what is on the 400? The Beyonder, like, his fortresses also have, like, large numbers on each floor, so you can easily say. And then the elevator probably says stuff like, 451st floor, hero meeting area. Can I be the voice actor for the <laughs> elevator voice? Readers, Battle if you're World. putting on a C- a Secret Wars uh, audio drama, please consider Christy for the voice of the Beyonders elevators. <laughs> <laughs> oh. They all meet up on the 451st level. 
and they they've got everybody kind of spread out. It actually is a really nice meeting area. Mm-hmm. He the, he found he picked a good level yeah, for good, this. Yeah, good on Cap for that one. Wolverine, of course, wants to fight. He's like, yeah, let's go find the villains. Right, and Cap's like, no, 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 we gotta we gotta stand back. We can't just rush into them. We have the advantage. Mm-hmm. He's like, wait, cool. there's still a lot of people out there. There's still Galactus, Doctor Doom, Molecule Man, Doctor Octopus, the Wrecker, the Absorbing Man, Magneto. They're all still out there. Yeah. <laughs> I I wanted to list it off. It's in my notes. Christy, you're very I thorough. Need this. <laughs> and then Captain directs a group to patrol the perimeter, and we see them begin to patrol the perimeter, but then we never again see them patrolling. No, there's like a completely different group in issue three that seems to be doing it. It's right. um We Iron Man Torch and Thor take off flying. Right. And I I'm not like especially tactical, but they're all flying around in one group. If if it were me, would you split I would them think up? that they oh, would you, split no, up. You can't split up. You'll split the party. They'll pick you off one by one. Okay. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's... <laughs> Who am I to question, Captain? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you have a military tactics t- uh, training red regiment? <laughs> <laughs> Who taught Captain America tactics? I guess I haven't read enough Captain America, but it seems like he was just like a soldier. He got homework. turned into Captain America. Homework assigned. Homework. Yeah, it's true. Thank you. Thank you, military teachers, for teaching Captain America tactics. As the patrol group goes out to patrol, Iron Man... Um, As patrol groups do. Mm-hmm. Yes, they head out to patrol. Uh, Iron Man asked this question that I, that when I first read it, I, I had to do some research. And because I did research, I want to talk about it, uh, even though it may not be super relevant to the story. But well, I think it's relevant to Iron Man's character. Uh, yeah, I guess it, I guess it does. Um, now Christy and I are not necessarily like sports fanatics. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say we don't like sports, but we, like, we don't know all like the, the big people in a lot of sports, especially basketball. Mm-hmm. So Iron Man says, does Dr. J play round ball junior? Well, and that's, that's kind of his, like, does the Pope wear a funny hat? Right. Right. So I had to do some digging. And for those of you who are curious, Dr. Uh, J is Hall of Famer Julius Irving, a basketball player who at the time of the publishing of this issue played for the Philadelphia 76ers. And his signature dunk was the slam dunk. So he was he was a big deal. He was, I suppose, the Michael Jordan of his time. If that's not a good comparison, I'm sorry. Tweet at us. Uh, yeah, tweet at us. I thought that was kind of an interesting tidbit, and it maybe hints at the fact that the Iron Man in the suit is not Tony Stark. I because uh, I don't think everybody knows that he's not Tony Stark in there. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Are you saying Tony Stark is not interested in basketball? I'm saying that stereotypes have been embraced in the comics so far. So why would they not be here? Uh. Thanks, Jim Shooter. (laughs) That was a little tangent there. Back Mm -hmm. on track. We flash on over to uh, Magneto, who has claimed a base of his own, Mm -hmm. all to himself. And he's, of course, musing about uh, destiny and all those things. So we just get this little flash of, okay, this is what Magneto's up to. And then we go back over to uh, the villains. Can we talk about how Magneto is standing around a weird cauldron with weird tentacles? Oh, yes. Magneto's base looks like it's on a brain. It does. 
It doesn't even look like plant life. It just looks like some weird brain stuff. Well, Battle World does have fragments from all over. <laughs> Gotta get this patchwork quilt with a brain patch. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a super odd location for his uh, base. But the, the villains, of course, are fighting, as villains are known to do. And they return to their base and discover Dr. Doom. And I love Absorbing Man, who calls Dr. Doom Dr. Doom Wimp. Like, I feel like that's such, like, a 1980s insult. It's You can imagine Absorbing Man just talking like a stereotypical, like, bad guys. Look, it's Dr. Doom Wimp. <laughs> He oh. just sounds like a New York thug. Yeah. It's so like it's like the like it's like he's about to like invade Kevin's house at home. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. The four villains that are returning with Molecule Man aside challenge Doctor Doom. Molecule Man kind of has like this reverence for Doctor Doom, plus he's kind of a little bit of a pacifist here at the beginning. Yeah, Molecule Man definitely ha- is like is like kind of your your st- I wouldn't call. I don't know if this is really a stereotype, but like the timid character with like far too much power. Yeah, and so he is kind of like under Doctor Doom's like, like under his thumb, seemingly in perpetuity for this for this crossover, Mm -hmm. at least as far as as far as we've read. And uh, Doctor Doom reveals that he has rebuilt Ultron. He he's made a few tweaks. And Ultron now only responds to Dr. Doom's commands. Right, uh, which he starts by blasting the villains who are about to attack Dr. Doom for taking over their base. (laughs) And they make sure to note that Absorbing Man cannot absorb Ultron's alien energies. Right. (laughs) Absorbing Man can absorb a lot of things, but not, (laughs) not Ultron's alien energies. So... The villains are like, eh, we're tired. We don't want to fight. Sure, Dr. Doom can be our leader. <laughs> it's like they, like, really just wanted it to happen anyway. <laughs> like, they were, like, one push, and they're like, okay. Dr. Doom, they come on in. He's super polite to Molecule Man. Yeah. You can tell that Dr. Doom knows who the most powerful man in the room is. Besides himself, of course. He would well, never... I think Doom knows that Molecule Man has, like these very innate, incredibly powerful gifts, but I think Doom still thinks he is, like, a stronger force. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he does kind of just treat him like, oh, I hope hope you're doing all right, Owen, or does he... Or, oh, Molecule Man? Oh, uh, Mr. Reese, I believe it is. <laughs> He's, like, the most polite that Dr. Doom could possibly muster. And I love, like... I don't know if it's arrogance on behalf of Molecule Man or just as, as like a statement of fact. And he he notes that well, he never gets hungry or dirty because of his his powers. He can just you know make himself full uh, and get rid of dirt. But he is tired. I think he means it in a oh well, like I'm always pretty much okay. Yeah, except I'm, except I am a little tired. <laughs> So Dr. Doom has a special chamber for Molecule Man, really, like, making sure that Molecule Man is his guy. Right, and the rest of the villains are going for it because they also know that Molecule Man is the most powerful one of them, probably all combined. And then Molecule Man, maybe it's just matter of fact, he's like, well, if I don't like the room, I suppose I could just rearrange the molecules. Right. To make it more to his life. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Yes, we know what you can do. <laughs> just imagine sitting next to a bus or sitting next to Molecule Man on a bus and he you're just you're just listening to something and he's eating a sandwich and goes, Well, I don't like this sandwich. I guess I'll just rearrange the molecules to be whatever kind of sandwich I like and he's just saying this out loud <laughs> to whoever will listen to him. Um and then uh uh Doctor Octopus asks Ask Dr. Doom about Galactus, who we see, like, in the distance. He's just standing, like, on a on a mountain, some sort of... Ri- He's just standing there, completely still. And kind of, like, glowing? Yeah. I like to think he is gathering everyone's energy for a massive spirit bomb. <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. O is kind of suspicious of Dr. Doom, thinking that... Dr. Doom's going to lead to the villain's destruction. Well, I think he thinks which this is funny coming from Dr. Octopus because I don't think Dr. Octopus is necessarily the world's largest team player. I mean, (laughs) he has been part of a team called like the Sinister Six, which is a bunch of Spider-Man villains. But he's like, well, I think Dr. Doom's like selfishness and hubris is going to doom us all. Mm -hmm. Which I don't know. I feel like you could almost say that about every villain. A lot of villains tend to be pretty selfish. Mm Mm-hmm. So, nighttime at the hero's lair, Magneto breaks in. Turns out that patrol and watch worked out real great because Magneto just strolls on in, controlling, you know, all the all the metal. Super easy for him to stroll in. Can I can I reiterate, which I'll reiterate a million times, that Magneto kind of has whatever powers the plot calls for? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, noted. And then we see some of what's going on uh, with the heroes at the station as Magneto's breaking in. We get a couple of panels of Wasp and She-Hulk talking about how they're, you know, they're just barely holding it together being here. And we we get kind of the beginnings of Wasp in Secret Wars uh, seems seems a little bit uh, prissy sometimes, a little bit She uppity. is... I think Wasp has always been portrayed in comics as a bit of a socialite. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of what is trying is being portrayed here. Mm-hmm. And we get we get more of that later on in Secret Wars. We come back to Magneto, who finds the power core of the station, mm-hmm. and then we see uh, Cyclops and Mister Fantastic talking about how much they miss their ladies, uh, Madeline Pryor and Sue Storm, respectively. Right, which uh, is not mentioned, guys. This was this was some good old Christie research. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They do almost a little bit of like continuity glossing over, trying to make things from the first issue that didn't quite make sense makes sense mm-hmm. they uh noted that everybody was in costume and also suited up even if they weren't that way when they were teleported so that's like a minor thing but then professor x was in a wheelchair even though at this time he didn't need a wheelchair right he can walk he can yeah he can walk uh so they they basically deduce it down to well the beyonder fixed anything he thought seemed wrong about them when they arrived so how they he the beyonder made them appear however they normally appeared i guess like in their most heroic archetype yeah i guess so we had professor x in the wheelchair and he is no longer he's not in the the, the wheelchair right uh, does not need it yeah he's so like that abandoned was, it yeah the thing overhears this conversation and remembers uh, he misses alicia yeah, I do love that the thing is just kind of taking a stroll because the Mets game isn't on. Because <laughs> uh, the thing is an is a New Yorker through and through. I love 
I, I, of course, I had to do a little bit of research about all of the significant others that they mention here. Sure, because so, you haven't you haven't necessarily read a lot of these mm-hmm. like early comics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Readers, and I do I do say readers because that's what we're saying. Uh, readers, <laughs> yeah, we're you're all readers now. I hope you're cool with that. Readers, I am somewhat new to comics. Chris grew up reading comics. This is new to me in the last. You kind of mostly came in uh, at all new, all different Marvel. Mm -hmm. So that would have been like 2015. So reading anything that's old, I like to do my research or reading anything really because I'm not the super informed comic book reader. Mm -hmm. So Alicia Masters, I love that the things love interest is a blind sculptor. And, you know, part of it is... You know, she, the the thing feels like, you know, she can't see his hideous appearance or whatever. I think that's kind of sweet. Yeah, she's um, the daughter of a supervillain who would mm-hmm. also sculpt, sculpt things. He, Jack Kirby drew him the first time and, and he gives me nightmares. But again, <laughs> we digress. <laughs> we digress. So Magneto is formulating a plan to use the fusion generator to create some sort of diversion. But... Uh, then we see Spidey and Human Torch. Who are buds. They're mm-hmm. like, they're confirmed buds. Mm-hmm. And Human Torch is worried about making it home. But then Spidey's Spidey sense tingles, letting him know that there is danger in the power plant. Yep. And, and so they... So Spidey rushes in and sends uh, Torch to get backup. So we have Torch that makes the Fantastic Four symbol. And Spidey rushes in. So when the heroes arrive, they see Spidey rolling out, wrapped up in metal. This is That's such a cool panel. I love it. Guys, it's Magneto. Thunk, thunk, thunk. <laughs> and the heroes that arrive, it's important to note that nearly all of the heroes are there, except there's no X-Men, there's no Thor, and there's no Hulk. That's true. So they've lost kind of their two biggest bruisers, and then for some reason, the mutants? Yeah. When uh, Magneto sees all them, he... He flees um, because things aren't going according to plan. But the Thing and the Wasp chase Magneto. And bad things happen to both. Yeah. Kind of. Well, Magneto happens to Wasp. Yes. Uh, Magneto packs Wasp in her miniature form in all sorts of metal and takes her with him. And the thing turns back to Ben Grimm. Yeah, so he loses sort of his rocky carapace. Mm-hmm. He looks like just a normal dude now. Right. With no explanation. Yeah, he just suddenly turns back into Ben Grimm. Mm-hmm. The issue ends with the heroes catching up and finding Ben Grimm, discovering that Wasp is gone, but they aren't going to pursue Magneto because they see Galactus. Right, with his, you know, glowing energy form. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what the Hulk was doing. He discovered, you know, there, there's Galactus. Right. And then also kind of like a storm in the panel next to it, which didn't yes. make sense when I read this comic, but does make sense when I read the next comic. Yes. I wish they would have made that a little clearer. There's a storm a-brewing. There is a storm a-brewing. Also, uh, Captain Marvel, who I... This is like her one line. She gets like one line on this page, and she's miscolored again. Mm. Yeah. All right. Accolades. All right. So accolades. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So starting, uh, I was going to start with best line. Sure, we can do best line first. My best line was Molecule Man's line that I mentioned earlier. Well, being absolute master of molecules, I can just assimilate molecules when I want, so I never have to be hungry. And I can just shoo away dirt molecules, so I'm always nice and clean, but I am tired. I do think it's funny that he is somewhat humble, but still calls himself the master of molecules. <laughs> that is a pretty good line. And I liked the line that Hulk said back to Iron Man and said, bigger than 54 and in a half pentagon, <laughs> yes. I'd estimate. Hulk being a real, a real meanie pants. <laughs> greatest hero? Yeah, sure. Who's your greatest hero, Christy? So I chose Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. Oh, I'd like to hear why. So at the beginning, he, uh, when Hulk has his silliness of holding up the rock, which gets blasted, he protects everybody from the falling rocks. Uh, he also secures all of the villains. And even if it is... A l- questionable he does help out enchantress and put her in the healing pod and as you know captain america said he's just so compassionate <laughs> so mr fantastic was my my hero he's protecting people yeah i guess uh, not so. i mean a lot of his big moments in this aren't aggressive moments they're protecting right. moments it's weird reading this compared to what i know about mr fantastic which is that he tends to be like this like He's like an adventure scientist pulp hero Mm -hmm. where he tends to be like this big, strong, smart man. And I feel like it's not played up as much in this as what I'm used to in Stan Lee's writing him. But uh, so I'd say I'd say I agree with your choice in this issue. Okay, but who was your pick for greatest hero? My greatest hero was the Incredible Hulk because he's what? He was awfully mean to be the greatest hero. Yeah, but he smashed up that big walker and he and he offered to take point when they went into the base. I think I also just liked him picking up that rocket and getting blown up. I know that doesn't make him a great hero. <laughs> oh. So what is he, your coolest moment? Uh, coolest moment. I loved She-Hulk punching stuck-up Enchantress. Just, you know, because Entra- Enchantress is, I, you know, yeah. all sorts of judgy. You're You're... You green human, you can't touch me. And... Uh, readers, I know you can't see this because you're you're reading, uh, but Christy <laughs> has her arms akimbo as if uh, she's some sort of like like schoolyard bully. It's pretty great. <laughs> what was your coolest moment? My coolest moment was Ultron blasting the villains after they were about to attack Doctor Doom, seemingly from above. Mm. Can I say what I thought the other best line was? Oh, sure. Did you have two best lines? Well, I, one was really close. I liked when Dr. Doom introduced the villains to the base that they had already occupied <laughs> and said, welcome to Doom Base. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. I just imagine him sitting there while they're fighting, like, mulling over what he's going to call it. And there's a piece of paper with, like, Doom House crossed out, <laughs> Doom Castle crossed out, <laughs> Doom oh. Base circled. <laughs> All right. Now, were we going to add an accolade, the Crusher Creole Award for Silly Villainy? Yeah, the I had this um, idea for a great, great name for an award that is uh, unanimously decided is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The Crusher Creole Award for Silly Villainy. Now, I feel like there is only one choice in this issue, and that is Dr. Doom 
narrating his life <laughs> in soliloquy form. It's like he's got a little recorder in his mask and he's just he's just taking it down for his memoirs. <laughs> How many times do you think he would have to listen to himself say, good thing I have this rocket belt and power gauntlets? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the monologuing your own life. Heroes are known to do it too, but it is mm-hmm. extra silly when villains do it. So that wraps up issue two of Secret Wars. Yeah, so next we're going to move on to issue three. Issue three. We open on Magneto's lair, where he releases Wasp from her imprisonment and makes uncomfortably suggestive comments to an understandably upset Wasp. Meanwhile, a large storm is raging across the planet, and a large rock nearly destroys the hero base before being destroyed by Thor. Hulk and She-Hulk work to repair damage done by Magneto, She-Hulk with her brawn, and Hulk with his brains. Many of the heroes are overcome with sadness at being separated from loved ones, but Captain America seems to be keeping everyone on task. Spider-Man manages to stumble upon a meeting of the X-Men and overhears them discussing joining Magneto as they do not belong with the rest of the heroes. Spider-Man then takes out every member of the X-Men, vowing to let the rest of the heroes know. As he gets Reed Richards' attention, however, his mind goes oddly blank, thanks to Professor X. Back at Magneto's base, he is video conferencing with Dr. Doom and refusing to join him as a partner. Magneto returns to Wasp, where he continues his uncomfortable attempts at seduction. Eventually, he forces a kiss, and Wasp's protests turn into unrealistic consent. At the villain lair, Dr. Doom has two women never seen before in test tubes to give them superpowers. Through these means, he creates Titania and Volcana, the two newest members of the villain team. Titania is disappointed with her reception from the other villains who only seem interested in, quote, lip wrestling. But Volcana and Molecule Man manage to bond as Volcana is surprised by his sensitivity. Meanwhile, Thor frees the Enchantress from captivity at the hero base. Though he makes it clear that he intends to keep her a prisoner, Thor asks to talk, and the Enchantress leads him through a mysterious portal. After a few hours, we see Hulk struggling to think straight. Nearby, Captain America awakes and is immediately upset that Hulk did not alert him that the storm was finished. Captain is sure that they will be attacked shortly, and he is correct. The villains approach on a spaceship and catch the heroes by surprise. They manage to do some serious damage and escape with all of the remaining prisoners. All right, let's head into our deep dive. So, Christy, did you like the cover of this issue? It looks really fun. It does look fun, although it's funny because it's definitely heroes fighting each other, which uh, people are not often fond of in events. But it's something that I feel like that would kind of grab you to buy the issue because you'd be like, whoa, why Spider-Man fighting with the X-Men? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's going to all make sense here in this issue. Right. So on to the splash page of page one. So we have Magneto's Lair, the storm raging outside that we saw brewing at the end of the last issue. Yeah, it's it's like part water storm and part like streams of, uh, I don't know, they're lightning or acid or something. There's also rocks. Because storm, winds, rain. Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Battle world's a harsh place, guys. <laughs> So Magneto is marveling at this storm, uh, but then remembers that he has what he calls a guest. He So he grabs the ball that Wasp is in and pulls it toward him with magnetism, implying that he left her in there for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, so he doesn't actually bring the ball to him. He uh, releases her from her prison. No idea how long she's been in there, but I think she does note that she nearly suffocated and is only 
just managed, you know, if she'd have been in there any longer, she would have died. I'm definitely normally on Team Magneto had some valid points, but uh, this crossover does not make it seem like he does. I love that Wasp in uh, on this page calls him the mutant master of magnetism. I'm sure it's been used before, but I love alliteration and it's wonderful. Oh, it's it's very like old, like Silver Age comics to do like a whole bunch of alliteration. Oh, I'm sorry. The narration says mutant master of magnetism. Right. Um, So the wasp goes off in search of Magneto and finds him just kind of just kind of chilling, having a having a snack. I I really looked at what he was eating here and it looks like an already sliced banana, but he's holding it as if it was a whole banana. (laughs) Does it really? I didn't look that closely at it. Sure enough. Yeah, he just kind of looks like, or I don't know, like some kind of weird tuber. And he's got like a <laughs> glass of wine or something in the other hand. Maybe it's supposed to be like a croissant. <laughs> Maybe he is having a croissant. <laughs> but Wasp shows up basically wanting to teach Magneto a lesson. But he notes that he has magnetically shielded himself from her. Yeah, so she blows up his dinner. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, I may not be able to hurt you, but I can still make a mess. Yeah, it's pretty good. Now, Magneto here with the ultimate, like, talking her down convinces her that since it's storming outside, she can't leave uh, and that they should both sit and talk. It's like a baby it's cold outside sort of thing. Like, But, like, extra creepy because unlike baby it's cold outside, he just legitimately kidnapped her. Yeah. So Wasp reluctantly agrees to this. And Magneto is just, like, laying it on. He is so creeptastic. He says... A fedora just appears on his head. Right. It's basically like, sorry I nearly killed you, but gosh, you're so smart and pretty. I promise I'm not that bad. (laughs) Let me try to get a little Stockholm Syndrome here. Uh, So we leave that creepiness going on and seen up on the Heroes headquarters, which they note is roughly the size of Chicago. The entire headquarters is roughly the... It's like, it's like the author... Because you, there's like, there's no sense of scale other... Because from these like distant shots, it's just a big thing. Right. So I guess it is, but it's something that's portrayed more by the words... Right. I mean, it's 54 and a half pentagons, right? I guess that is. I still don't feel like that would be the whole hall of Chicago. I don't know. We would have to do math. It's big. It's It's really big. We're not doing the math. So the storm is raging here as well. And a giant rock is heading for the gr- the big dome of their fortress. Yeah, massive. Like, it looks like it's nearly the same size as their fortress. It's a Chicago-sized rock. Right. That's like a meteor. <laughs> we have Thor, who's just, like, loving it out in the storm, because you know, god of thunder. Literally a storm god. <laughs> yeah. So he goes and he just blasts this rock to smithereens. Yeah, he throws Mjolnir at it and it breaks apart into harmless chunks. I'm really glad you said that because I don't, I still am not confident that I can say. Mjolnir? Mjolnir? Yeah, that. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty great. Um, Meanwhile, inside, um, She-Hulk is 
just kind of moving some stuff around and talking with Hawkeye. She's it's a particle accelerator. They they she's doing oh, repairs from right. Magneto's they damage. They reference it later. I'm mm-hmm, sorry. Mm-hmm. She-Hulk is like throwing some shade at Hawkeye, basically like <laughs> saying, "Hawkeye, your arrows are lame. You couldn't have done anything against that rock." It's true. And he starts to like come back at her with something, but then he remembers his wife. Mockingbird, Barbara, Bobby Morse, God, Barton. It's like every every emotion that a sad. dude has in this that's like not confidence. <laughs> it's not confidence. Is sad about wife. Yes. <laughs> not to say like if I was in this situation, I wouldn't be sad about my wife. But it seems like that just it just keeps coming up. Right. It's like the only thing they're allowed to be sad about. Right. They can't just be scared for themselves. They have to miss their wife. Or, or they're just their lady. They're not all married. That's true. That's mm-hmm. very true. Just quick roll call of everybody who's missed their significant other so far. Mr. Fantastic is Miss Sue Storm. Sure. Cyclops is Miss Madeline Pryor. Thing is Miss Alicia Masters. And Hawkeye, now Mrs. Bobby Morse. Yep. Will this be the last one? I don't know. Read on, find out. <laughs> we have Iron Man and Captain Marvel uh, next they have a a little scene where Iron Man is wondering about how Thor can survive out in the storm. And Captain Marvel's like, he's the God of Thunder. He probably likes it. Yeah. Iron Man's like, Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. They're checking for damage and she's turned into like light or Mm -hmm. is turned into a light ray. And he is scooting along on rocket powered skates, which is the most ridiculous Iron Man thing ever. (laughs) What blows my mind about this is she's turned into light, but they're still just kind of keeping pace and she can talk to him. I don't know. I don't know. I shouldn't question the science mm-hmm. of comic. Meanwhile, Hulk has n- nearly finished repairing the damage done by Magneto. He's kind of putting everything back together. You know, this is the particle accelerator that She-Hulk has just lifted over there. I don't know where she found it. How they, you know, don't How ask those know questions. Particle accelerator. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Captain America's checking in with Reed Richards, who's been studying the alien tech and keeping tabs on uh, Galactus and the alien base. And oh, the villain base. Or, yeah, the the villain base. Right. Mm-hmm. And Cap has this wonderful bit of foreshadowing here where he says, good thing we'll have some warning in case of an attack. Boom, 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 boom. And then Mr. Fantastic once again gets sad. About his wife. I want to see my... Oh, he does say my son, Son, too. here, yeah. We get a child. Young, young Franklin Richards. Mm-hmm. But Hulk is not having any, any of it and gets on gets on Mr. Fantastic for his maudlin whimpering. Yeah. Do you think I don't miss my woman? It just makes me want to crush the enemy that much more and get it over with. Right. So Hulk also has a lady here. Catherine Waynesboro is his current love interest. I know so little of Hulk that I've never heard of her. Well, you probably wouldn't because he his typical love interest is Betty Ross, and that's who he will eventually marry. Mm-hmm. But at the time, he's with Catherine Waynesboro because of all sorts of issues with Betty Ross and her father. And mm. Do you mean comic book issues containing Betty Ross? making a dumb joke i'm sorry oh i love it (laughs) (laughs) um captain america knows the next next attack will likely come as soon as the storm breaks but they've captured so many villains as long as they're ready they're going to have the upper hand 
Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> <laughs> Spidey sympathizes here a little bit with Mr. Fantastic being so sad. Spidey has a classic Spider-Man internal monologue for the next few panels. Mm-hmm. He has fun swinging around, and I love he has this little bit of alliteration where he talks about everything in the base seeming like a cosmic Cuisinart. Oh, that's pretty great. I love that line, Cosmic Cuisinart. I even put a picture of a Cuisinart from the 80s just so I could have that visual of what a Cosmic Cuisinart would look like. Did you just imagine it with like with like stars and nebula behind it and you're like, yeah, checks out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spidey stumbles on the X-Men who do, don't realize that he's there. And Professor X is talking about how the X-Men don't belong with the heroes. And uh, Rogue reminisces that she once tussled with the Avengers. Yeah, so they're probably not her her biggest fan. Mm-hmm. And we, we see Professor X now not in his wheelchair. Uh, so he is now... He's now accurate. Yeah, he's having a sweet table lean mm-hmm. here in this top panel. And then the, the X-Men basically say that they're going to leave and go join Magneto. Yeah. But then they realize that Spidey's there. And Spidey makes himself known uh, that he heard everything and he's going to tell on him. Yeah. And then he spends the next page basically just whooping up on the X-Men. Yeah. Like dodging all their punches, webbing up Rogue. It is an amazing sequence. Uh, He evades and ties everybody up. It is great. Like this whole team of X-Men is just useless uh, when taken by surprise by Spidey. Right. Spider-Man gets out of there. All right. And he sees Reed Richards and gets his attention. But then Professor X erases his mind. Yeah, not before uh, Cyclops got to pull off his signature line of calling people Mr. <laughs> he says, Spider-Man, wait, it's not what you think. I said, stop, Mr. <laughs> Cyclops is such a lovable dork. Um, but yeah, that I that, I actually really thought that scene was cool. Where I'm like, oh man, Spider-Man's going to come to read. Oh, what's going to, like, I was, mm-hmm. I was kind of on my seat for that. Um, and then he, you know, he just gets his memory erased and I went, oh, it was the professor. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it was. And then we've got, you know, Cyclops coming out and playing dumb and gosh, the pressure, pressure just must be really getting to, to Spider-Man there. So, so hey, Reed, let's uh, also talk about, uh, how I miss my wife. <laughs> <laughs> And Professor X, he does note that he didn't like doing it, but he had to, quote, reorder Spider-Man's mind. For a dude who erases people's memory on the regs, he sure, you know, the the professor doth protest too much. (laughs) Professor X, like, while Cyclops is having this uh, discussion with Mr. Fantastic, like, just bursts into Cyclops' brain to be like, hey, come back now. Right, where he has revealed that he has found a vessel that he has learned that he can control telepathically because it was built by a race of telepaths. Does it tell you how he found this out? Nope, not important. Nope. Then, uh, so once they decide that they are going to be leaving for Magneto's fortress, uh, we come back over to Magneto's, I feel like calling it a lair now because it just feels very creepy with what's going on with Wasp. God, Magneto is a mega creep in this. I'm such a Magneto defender at times, but he is... Bleh. 
this issue. So Magneto's talking with Dr. Doom, basically saying that he won't partner with him. And Dr. Doom declares Magneto the enemy, and Magneto just strolls back into Wasp. Um, well, they're, and they're literally FaceTiming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Magneto just gets a little call from <laughs> Dr. Doom, picks up. What's up, What's up, Doomsy? Because it, it kind of just starts in, like, in media race of their conversation. And mm-hmm. then he's just like, no, we aren't going to be partners. And Dr. Doom has, like... A you will rue the day, which is, I think, just his version of saying, like, all right, bye. <laughs> huh. So then Magneto comes back and cozies up to Wasp, who it seems like almost kind of missed him. Like, the storm is scary. I'm glad you're back. Oh, my gosh. It's, yeah. She's, like, criminally under, like, written poorly. Uh, the line here. We agree that when my eyes meet yours, that there is something electric. So much barf. It is so unbelievable to me. Yeah, and then Magneto um, non-consensually kisses her. And then we have that really tired trope of her just kind of giving in Yeah, she's going, no, 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 I don't want to be kissed. Now, I think it's kind of goofy. It looks like they're already kissing while they are talking. But then she's like, uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, she has like, it's like they add in a corny line too, which is you have the iciest blue eyes I've ever seen, Magnus. And I guess the eyes have it. It would be a good line if it weren't so creepy. I agree. I think that would be kind of a fun corny line if it was like an MJ and Spider-Man thing. Right. Or anybody. Anything that isn't this right here. Right. Leaving that barf scenario, going to Doom Base, we see two random ladies in some sort of test tube fluid. Yep. They they get some superpowers. Yeah, Doom just has these two random women who have not been mentioned previously in the crossover who he gives superpowers to. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a little bit of backstory to who these women are based on that's mm-hmm. kind of creepy. Oh, based on? Mm-hmm. They're based on real life women. Yes. Oh wow. Real life women that that Jim Shooter worked with. So okay, you'll have to tell me why it's creepy. Uh, well, I just, I just, based on how they're drawn and portrayed, to me, it's a little because hmm. uh, super villains and super heroines um, at this time, and you know, even still currently, are often put in kind of like skimpy outfits, that sort of deal. Yeah, because they are given rather skimpy costumes. Now, the first one, Mary Skeeter McFerrin, who uh, is uh, going to be Titania here, he actually asked this woman's permission, who is a production uh, assistant, to name the character after her. Mm -hmm. So it is named after this woman, and he did ask. So at least there's that. Good job, Um, And uh, then we also have Miss Marsha Rosenberg, uh, who becomes Volcana, who is inspired by Mary Jo Duffy, writer and editor for Marvel. Just a little bit her personality there. It basically just seems like, hey, we need some women. I make women. Here they are. (laughs) Here they are. These ladies get uh, these... uh, powers they choose names for themselves because they want to have super villain names and so we've got volcana who has like these 
very um if you hear the name volcana you imagine these powers although hers are um she kind of like has a plasma form mm-hmm. where, um like plasma she, radiates on the outside of her she body she just becomes plasma and she, i think she even notes i don't know how it's possible that i can still be alive and be this but i guess it's cool comics and then she can shoot plasma beams and stuff mm-hmm. and then titania's just like really strong yep she's just a she's just another bruiser type mm-hmm. and her body changed a little bit when she was transformed. She got she got she kind was, of buff. She was sh- very shrimpy, but she got buff and a little bit chesty. Oh, well, comics again. Yeah. Mm. They are super happy to be all sorts of powerful now and go out and they meet the other villains. The, the other villains kind of speculate, like, where... Where where did they come from? Uh, I also speculated. <laughs> Thank you, villains. <laughs> They're like, well, maybe Doctor Doom just made them from scratch. It was sort of thrown out there. To be fair, Doctor Doom does make robots called Doombots, so this would not be the first time that he made like some some automaton thing from scratch. Mm-hmm. Can Molecule Man make people? Oh, he is the master of molecules. He does say it. Once or twice. (laughs) It's not super important to the plot, but I love that Dr. Doom sends Dr. Octopus and Ultron to the 417th level. We like those 400s. Yeah. Well, you know, like, your 100s are like, that's your parking garages. And then your, you know, your 200s are like your gyms. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reception. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Third is, is daycare. Yeah, you know, some conference spaces. Right. And fourth, like, that's where the business gets done. The criminal masterminding always happens on the fourth floor. <laughs> Wait, the 40, the 40, did they say the 400, the... 417th level. Sure, we're dividing this into thousands. Right. You need a lot of parking for a compound the size of Chicago. I don't know if this one's the size of Chicago. That was the hero base. <laughs> I hope later they say it's the size of some other like huge city. They're like this one's more... the size of Houston. Yeah, this is more of a Houston than a Chicago. So Titania is like super all about her powers. She challenges Absorbing Man to get up and just so she can play with him. Uh, she wants or to beat up, make him girl. eat dirt. Like <laughs> I think maybe Titania just like was was. She's really excited to be strong. Right. Maybe she got picked on. And... She she was called Skeeter for Mosquito because she was little and shrimpy. And now she's not. And she's very excited about it. I mean, would you be if you got super strong powers? I mean, you might not, not just want to like, I think the reason it somebody. makes me so uncomfortable is because I can totally imagine myself doing those <laughs> things. <laughs> Christy is Titania. Absorbing Man just is like, I'm not going to get up because I have nothing to prove to a dame. And the wrecker says that he'll lip wrestle her and Titania just storms off. Yeah, she's 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 uh, still not being taken seriously by these dudes and it's making her very upset. Volcana in the meantime is bonding and cozying up to Molecule Man who she discovers is a nice sensitive man. And she also mentions that Dr. Doom has such charisma, so I feel like definitively she has the best taste in men. <laughs> because she likes both Molecule Man and Dr. Doom. I'm clearly indicative of smart choices being made there. Well, now I know uh, your taste in men. <laughs> <laughs> what does that say about you? Uh, am I ha- that I guess I'm halfway between Molecule Man and Dr. <laughs> Doom? Okay. Oh, 
Welcome. Well, meanwhile, back at the hero's base, uh, Thor, Thor is breaking Enchantress out of prison. I guess, was he maybe guarding the prisoners or something, or just walking around? Yeah, he was just basically like, hey, we're both from Asgard, we need to talk. Right, he's like, mortals can't understand me the way gods do. Can you open up a portal, but you're still my prisoner. And she's like, okay, cool, we can go talk. And then they disappear through this portal, which, Mm -hmm. bad timing, Thor, bad timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a we have a little uh, Fafnir's scales here. I love his just random expressions with Norse mythology. Uh, Fafnir, I may be pronouncing it wrong. No, tweet fa- at me. no you're right. Yeah, tweet tweet at me if I'm wrong. But she's she's if, not. How if, dare you? If Chris confirms it, it's probably true. Chris um, is normally there's right. a Thor podcast I listen to called mm. Thor: The Lightning and the Storm, and they pronounce it Fafnir, and I think okay. they would know. Well, Fafnir is a dwarf that turns into a dragon right norse mythology long story in the comic i think he's just a dragon that thor beats um actually in a in a run of comics that's like almost concurrent to this one Mm. so yeah i love researching all those little little tidbits sometime later is when it is described we see hulk he's just talking about how he's having a hard time thinking yeah, it's like Hulk's mind is getting clouded. He's, he's not smart Hulk so much anymore. This is this is kind of more of like the hinting that the Beyonder is doing something to them. Mm-hmm. And Captain America was asleep and wakes up and realizes the storm is done. And guess what? They're not ready for an attack and that Captain America said would surely happen when the storm breaks. So Captain America is understandably upset now. And then Hulk thinks some really mean things at him. He does. He still like completely follows his orders, but he's like, mm, grumble, grumble about it. <laughs> and sure enough, the villains are uh, definitely attacking. Mm-hmm. Definitely. They ram it through the yeah. compound. They just, you know, well, I mean, if you're going to break into Chicago, like... <laughs> you just land on it? <laughs> they storm out, and the Fantastic Four realize they're being attacked, uh, and Titania bursts in, uh, they all wind up in pretty bad shape. Yeah, Titania, like, breaks the Human Torch's um, arm and his wrists and Mr. Fantastic looks out down for the count and Ben Grimm doesn't have powers. Right. So he's definitely out. Right. And then Volcana catches She-Hulk by surprise and easily takes her out. She just melts the thing that's something like a big piece of machinery that's right above She-Hulk and just drops it on her. Right. <laughs> and then Captain Marvel here. She's just take she's she's just taking a bath. Why? Why? Okay. So Captain <laughs> Marvel gets out of the bath and Uh, is then attacked by Dr. Octopus, uh, but Hawkeye manages to fend Dr. Octopus off. This makes Captain Marvel look like a real chump, and I am not here for it. Right. Like, she could have turned into light. He just, like, bonks her on the head. When she could, she's like enormously powerful, and I feel like this didn't get to showcase that. Mm-hmm. And Spidey uh, finds Iron Man and lets him know that they're in trouble, but then, kaboom! Super powered, yeah, super powered Ultron blasts them. Yeah, so he blasts into the room, and Hulk is beating himself up about uh, not, you know, way waking Captain America up when the storm broke. Uh, so he's, you know, gonna go and set it all right, and he attacks Molecule Man and Doctor Doom, uh, but Captain America uh, convinces him to retreat. Yeah, Molecule Man is still not using his molecule powers to their fullest extent. It's Mm-mm. kind of more of like a 
using it as like a kind of form of telekinesis to just move things. Mm-hmm. Um, like moving whole objects. Right. Right. So the wrecker frees the prisoners, the wrecking crew, and Kang. And it's kind of worth noting here that the lizard, lizard man, he's nowhere He's nowhere to be found. He's not with the villains and he's not a prisoner. Hmm. All of the, uh, all the prisoners are now free except for Enchantress, who's sort of still prisoner with Thor, we assume. We don't know where really right, where they but went. We also have a lot of the heroes ta- like taken out. She-Hulk, mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men are off to find Magneto, so they're mm-hmm. nowhere to be found. So we end the issue with Doctor Doom declaring that they are going to level the heroes base. Yeah, it's really looking bad for our heroes in this. So accolades! Accolades! So best line. Mine was or do you want do you want to go first this time with best line? Um, sure. My best line is the bit where Iron Man is kind of skating and Captain Marvel is like is kind of going faster than he can and he says, No way, babe. My armor's built in jet skates can't keep up with your light form even at your lowest speed. My armor's built in jet skates. Like that makes the line for me. What's your best line? Mine was the Spider-Man one that I kind of already hinted at before. He says, geez, if I see another room bigger than the World Trade Center or another giant gizmo that looks like a cosmic Cuisinart. I love the cosmic Cuisinart. That's what makes the line for me. Yeah, it was. that's a pretty good line. I like Spider, Spider-Man loves to have an inner monologue. So what's your coolest moment? Okay, so coolest moment... I bet we've got to have the same one. Maybe. Spidey evading the X-Men. Oh, um, I that's not my coolest moment, oh. but it is very cool. And it yeah. probably should have been my coolest moment. <laughs> so what was your coolest moment? My coolest moment was the scene of Thor blasting apart that giant rock with Mjolnir. Uh. And then he has this kind of like manic grin as rain runs down his face. <laughs> I thought it was really cool to see like a storm god in his element. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, greatest hero... My greatest hero was Spider-Man, and the reasoning was because he easily dispatched and escaped from all the X-Men. Spider-Man was also my greatest hero in this issue, too. Oh, we have a, we've got a, a Daily Double? That's not really what a Daily Double is. No. Hat trick? Yahtzee? Rummy! No, that's Rummy. not what... That's not what people say. What do they say? Gin? Uh, Gin? Is that what the, when you have gin rummy, you say gin? You say gin. That's it. Eureka. Crusher <laughs> <laughs> uh. Creole Award for Silly Villainy. This isn't silly vil- villainy. It's creepy villainy. And Magneto just wins it. Maybe for life. For all of the creepiness that happens in this issue. Agreed. Uh, ugh. Yeah, Magneto's a real creep in this. Um, just to let you all know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if th- if you're thinking, you know what, I want to read a great Magneto comic where he does cool things and I get to see his complicated morals. These are just these are just Magneto bad morals. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on Chris's on Infinite Earths, we'll be covering issues four and five of Secret Wars as we dig deeper into this fantastic toy commercial. Yeah, and we wanted to thank all of our readers for following us on Twitter, liking us on Facebook, and 
listening and, and subscribing and leaving those reviews on all of those great podcatcher services, things like iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you'd get podcasts. And if you haven't followed us yet, we are at Chris's Pod on both Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, in this uh, episode, we wanted to give special thanks to um, Kate Foray. Kate designed our fantastic logo that I'm sure you've all seen. Probably caught your eye pretty nicely. If you'd um, like to get your own graphic work done by Kate, you can find her at www.heyheyitskateforay.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time... Slay your enemies, and all you desire shall be yours. (laughs) 